0: Uh, we are in the book of Mark. Now, um, we preach sequentially through books of the Bible here, so we are in week 28 of the book of Mark. That's a, that's a lot of weeks, a lot of sermons in the book of Mark, but um, we are, we've are we been enjoying the series. Today is a little bit different. In fact, uh, today is simply... Hey, can I get one of those half sheets? Because we all get... Yeah, run me one. Today... I want you to go ahead and start. Today, we are going to talk about the goat. All right? Today, we're going to talk about the goat. Now, if I were to say that to my parents in that generation, they would be like, that's a horrible thing for you to call someone a goat. Why would you call them that? Like, and, uh, you know, they think of maybe like the scapegoat or, the, you know, you think of different things like that. Um, but, but those of us, you know, maybe you've, last five years or so, the goat has been redefined, right? The goat is now a good thing, Um, and if you are the goat, that means that's a very good thing. It is the greatest of all time, all right? So today, I typically don't, sometimes I do, I typically don't wear tennis shoes to preach in, but today, because we're talking about the goat, there's potential in these shoes to be the goat. These are the Zion Williamson's, okay? So these are the Zion ones, and uh, there's potential. Not quite, he's not in the conversation yet, but there's potential, all right? Daniel, I wore the muted black and white ones instead of the colors. I got one that has like 75 colors, and I decided not to wear those today. But uh, I'm making an investment, guys. When he's really good, these are going to be worth hundreds of dollars like Jordan's Jordan ones are, you know. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this half sheet of paper. I want you to fill it out. I want you to check it off. Here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you at the end of the introduction, so do it now. I'm going to have the men take them back up. And Dave, if you'll do this, you can do it right where you're sitting. Make, make some tallies of who wins. We're going, at the end of the sermon today, we're going to talk about who you guys voted the GOAT, the greatest of all time on these different selections, okay? So we have Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Obviously, everybody that's my age and older is probably going to vote one way, and then my age and younger might vote a different way. We'll see. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas. You've got to think through that one. Ooh, Dolly Parton and Aretha Franklin. Kind of depends maybe on, your, but see, don't necessarily just go on your taste of music. Like go like, maybe like, you know, who, who actually had the more, more hits? Google and Apple. That's a tough one. I didn't do Android because we know Apple would win. I did Google and Apple. Dean Smith and Coach K. I mean, y'all know where I'm landing on that. I mean, it's really not debatable. I probably should have put Roy Williams. He's closer to being at Coach K's level than Dean Smith ever was. Rest in peace. All right, um, ladies, I didn't, <laughs> is he, I mean, sorry. Is that too far, Melissa? My bad. <laughs> uh, Coach or Kate Spade. Now, I, don't, I'm, I'm not, I know what my wife would say she's in the kids today. Um, I know where more of my money has gone over the last three or four years. <laughs> Serena and Venus. I think that one is, uh, if you're honest, I think that one's a pretty easy one. Here's a, here's a this might be the toughest one. Ali or Tyson? Uh, see, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Ali or Tyson? I- I'll just say this: it depends on how you wanna how you wanna critique it. Like I'm critiquing it as which one I don't want to run into in a back alley. All right, so I'm just that's how I'm gonna do it. Uh, actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, vote. Uh, this is this is a tough one. I mean, we are in the South. George Strait or Garth Brooks? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, we're, look, y'all, you gonna vote, man? Y'all ain't gotta tell me right now. And then another difficult one, I, y'all can tell that I made this because there's no like the notebook and the wedding singer. You know, it's like tombstone or Shawshank. That's, we're going to find out. I man. y'all keep, this is not a verbal exam. All right. This is a written exam. <laughs> all right. So write it down. Put a check mark beside the one that you're voting for. At the, before I begin the actual sermon, we'll pick them back up. And then Dave, if you would by there, just tally them up, man. I appreciate it. But let's remember where we are in the book of Mark, okay? Remember where we are in the book of Mark, and let's connect the dots. So while you're filling that out, listen with one ear, okay? Peter, James, John, and Jesus, those four were separated from the other nine disciples as they experienced the transfiguration of Jesus. You remember? Jesus was transfigured on the mountain in front of them, and those three disciples were there. It was an incredible moment. It had never been seen before, literally a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now, I personally have many once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Uh, Anytime I want to do something really bad, and I'm trying to convince my wife to let me do it, I say, babe, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She has heard that now. Approximately 73 times. All right, so I've had about 73 once in a lifetime opportunities. It usually revolves around getting tickets to a sporting event. I'm like, this is a once, and it's true. That game will never be played again. So, but a once in a lifetime opportunity, this transfiguration literally was that. No one had ever seen this before. No one in person has ever seen this again. Literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. As they come down from the mountain, they walk up, last week we, we, we preached about this, they walk up and the other nine disciples, the three that were not with Jesus, they are in an argument, or they're in a, a tizzy for you southern women, all right, with some scribes, and it's over the fact that they were unable to cast out a demon and to heal a young boy. They could not do it. The father had brought the possessed son, he was looking for Jesus, Jesus was Being transfigured was not there, so he asked his disciples, would you heal him? And they could not. So think about it. Peter, James, and John had just been on the mountain with Jesus as he was transfigured. The glory of God shone through Jesus' body. Just an incredible thing, two weeks ago we spoke about it. If there was anything in the world that should have made those disciples go and bow, it was what they had just witnessed, correct? They just saw Jesus in all of his glory. Not only that, but the remaining nine had just been proven to not possess the power to cast out the demon, right? You couldn't do it. We were looking for Jesus. And we ask you, the disciples, and you couldn't do it. Once again, another time where those nine disciples should have been the natural thing, would have been we're unable. And so we pick up today in our text where you would think the three disciples that were closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, would have been humbled. And you would think that the other nine disciples, just publicly incapable of performing the miracle, would have been humbled. And as they get on the road and they begin to head toward Capernaum, what do you think they talk about? How awesome Jesus is? Man, if you guys would have been there on the mountain, man, you never would. He turned white, bright white. We couldn't even look at him. I still don't know what happened, but all I know is that Moses and Elijah disappeared. God started talking. Or maybe on the road home, they went, man, just when we think we're something, man, we realize just how inadequate we are and just how adequate Jesus is. How sufficient that he is. We couldn't heal and Did you see what Jesus did? He healed him right then. Yeah, that's what you would think. But no, as these disciples are on the road heading to Capernaum, they begin to debate Who is the goat? Which one of us is the greatest? Once again, you would think that their conversation would be the opposite. But as human nature and our flesh would have it, they debate who is the greatest. This shows a lack of spiritual discernment, a lack of depth in their walk with Jesus, even though... They were among his closest of followers, obviously. It's as if Jesus would look at them and say, Guys, I just showed you all in two different ways that you aren't the greatest. So stop arguing about it, right? Let's do this. Has everyone turned them in? Everybody got them turned in? All right, cool. Let's read our text. And then let's jump in this morning and find out what God has for us in this study of who is the goat, verse 33, and did I tell you where we're at yet? Mark chapter 9. I'm sorry. Mark chapter 9. That's my fault. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 is where we are. If you have it there, great. If not, it will it is on the screen here for you. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them. I love when Jesus asked him a question like he didn't know. You know? Like, I don't, like when I was a kid, my parents asked me a question. I'm like, y'all already know this answer. Why are you asking me? What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? And they're like, nah, I ain't telling him." Verse 34, that, that's in the, the Greek. Nah, I ain't telling them. But they kept silent for on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. It's as, it's as if they were already embarrassed that they had that conversation. Like I am not telling him what we talked about. And Peter's probably going to like, y'all know he already knows. But look what he does in verse 35. He sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be the last of all and servant of all. He took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. So once again, a throwback to John chapter 14, where Jesus says, if you believe in me, if you believe in God, believe also in me. It's once again, uniting them and their deity. Verse 38, now John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Amen. That ought to be the the mantra of every church and every believer and every Christian. He who is not against us is on our side. Verse 41, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink In my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, speak through your word today. A little bit of fun we're going to have, but a very important text. I pray that we would receive it. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate our minds and our hearts that we may in turn hear Comprehend and be transformed this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So these disciples have the conversation among themselves of who's greater. I'm sure if we think through it, Peter probably led that conversation. More than likely. Hey guys. Hey, I got a great idea. But they had that discussion. Well, I used to be this and now I'm this, or I was that and now I'm this or. Or whatever the case may be. But they had those conversations, they were going back and forth. And I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't directly call them out on it when he asked them what you were talking about, and they didn't answer him. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I know exactly what you were talking about, fools. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you who the greatest is. That's not what he does. If I were Jesus, that's what I would do. But thank the Lord, I'm not. I've said that before, right? If we played that game like, what if I was God? Would not be good, would not be good. But no, Jesus begins to teach them. And he uses the three truths that we're gonna speak about today to explain to those disciples that not only uh, are you not the greatest, but you should not even have the conversation about the greatest. Okay, so not only are you not the greatest, but you ought not even have the conversation. I want us to look at three truths. This morning, from this text, as we think about uh, wanting the fame, wanting all of the accolades, the pride that goes into it, and what Jesus calls us to do and to be. Number one this morning, refuse to be first. Refuse to be first. Jesus' teachings had already confounded the Pharisees. He had turned the traditional law-heavy teachers uh, upside down. That The Pharisees had it all figured out. They were the religious right. And where the law had been, a grace had been ushered in and the fulfillment of that law in Jesus. And Jesus had confounded them with his teachings. So it was no surprise that Jesus gives his disciples the opposite instruction of what they would have expected. Jesus has been doing that his entire ministry. Hey, you think I'm going to teach you this. I'm actually going to teach you this. You think the way is this way. I'm going to tell you that the way is that way. And here's another form where Jesus does this. Verse 33, he came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? They kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. He sat down and called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Matthew in chapter 23 and verse 11. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. This goes 100% against the grain. This went against the grain of culture in that day. And this continues to go against the grain of culture today. The first will be last. If you desire to be first, you shall be last. The greatest among you is going to be your servant. The one who exalts himself is going to be the one who is humbled. Our culture and society, they preach to us loudly to take care of yourself or to be at the expense of others, to beat other people down, to beat other people to the punch, to take the competitive advantage against other people, every chance that you get. But Jesus says, go last. Jesus says, let others have their preference before you get your preference. Jesus says, as you're pulling into that parking spot, and the other car is pulling into that parking spot. That you let someone have their preference, especially, I see y'all laughing, especially if you've got that Keystone Church sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> if you don't, that's between you and God. Uh, but uh, but uh, <laughs> something as silly as that. Think, think about the things that we, that we knee-jerk at, the dumbest things. It really doesn't matter if I park 15 feet further away from the door. My tail needs to walk 15 feet further. It's okay. Listen, if there's a, if there's a thing at work, and I know many of you don't even go into work anymore, and you're working from home, but when you, if you work in an establishment with other people, if they're reconfiguring your office and they say, Hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to choose different areas of this space for you to have and for other people to have. Did you know that it is a very, very, very biblical thing for you to say, hey guys, why don't you guys choose and then I'll take what's left? Did you know that that's a a very biblical thing? Now it goes against our flesh and it goes against our culture and it goes against everything inside of me. I promise you it does. It's a very biblical and a very spiritual thing to say, hey, I would like for you to get your preference before I get my preference. Jesus says refuse to go first. Refuse to be the one who has is, is got to get out in front. Refuse to be that person. Luke chapter 14 and verse eight, he says this, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come to you and say, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to at your lowest place. When you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. I love that. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus says if you're invited to a table, and this is, he's using an illustration which he was so good at doing. If you're invited to a feast, if you're invited to a wedding reception, instead of sitting at the head of the table, take the lowest seat. Sit where the common person would sit. And if that person deems you special and wants you to, that person can ask you to come sit at the head of, at the, head of the table. But it's much better for you to lower yourself and allow yourself to be lifted up by others than to sit at the head of the table and have the person running the party say, Hey, listen, I need you to move. That's not for you. It's a lesson this morning in humility, it's a lesson in not going first. And man, I'm competitive and I want to go first, I want to win. I'm a Duke football fan. What am I thinking? I want to win. Carolina fans, stop laughing. We all saw what happened. Your game finished before ours. It made it a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, if I'm not careful, if you're not careful, and, and maybe we don't do this at an actual party, maybe you're like, I've never been to a wedding reception and sat in the wrong seat. No, no, it's an illustration. It's thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. It's putting ourselves out there first when we really should be taking a backseat and letting other people push us forward. It's a very Christian biblical thing to do. James in chapter four and verse 10, he tells us this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Disciples, Who's the greatest? Peter, are you better than me? I don't know. I don't know, John. I'm not sure if you're better. Matthew, man, he's over there taking money from people. He might be better. I'm not really sure. Andrew, he brings people to Jesus all the time. Maybe he's the best. No, no, no. no. Listen, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Jesus publicly publicly this morning rebukes his disciples as they simply jockey for position in the kingdom of God. Church, this morning, may we be humble. May we be a humble church, but we are only a humble church if we're a church full of humble individuals. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Sit at the lowest place and let God move us to the head of the table. Go second and allow others to go first. Don't push so hard for your preference at the expense of other people. Jesus is giving a very, very legitimate lesson that not only do those disciples need, but you and I need to hear it today. I need to hear it today. So we see, first of all, this morning, very quickly, refusing to be first. Secondly, I want us to look right in the text do not refuse the children. Hey, you think you're going to be the greatest? Okay, do not refuse the children. Look at Mark, look at our text chapter 9, verse 36, right now, verse 36, that he took a little child and he set him in the midst of them. When he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. In a nutshell, Jesus says, if you'll receive a little small child, And we'll talk about the significance. If you'll receive that child, it is as if you're receiving me and my father. It reminds me of the verse, as you have done it unto the least of these, Jesus says you've done it unto unto me. That's why it's a very biblical practice to give a cup of water to the thirsty. Because as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to him. So that's why it's a very biblical thing to give food to the hungry and clothes to the naked and encouragement to the discouraged. Because as you've done it into the least of them, you've done it unto Jesus. And Jesus is further driving home the point of humility. And he uses a young child in this instance as his illustration. And in that culture, and by the way, in many developing cultures still today, Children are not respected, they're not cared for, they're not valued. Um, I won't even give the country because it do, the country doesn't matter, but I've been on missions trips and I've seen kids uh, sitting in certain areas of the church and they would get acting up in service and, and talking as kids can and will always do, right? This is what happens. And I saw, I've seen people come over and smack kids in the head. I was a teenager when it happened. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I was just part of our culture. The kids would mess around again, and the, the deacons, the leaders in the church would walk over. It's not even their kids. Pop, smack a kid. As a teenager, I'm like, what is going on? As a parent and an adult, I'm really glad I was not in that situation where I am now, because I probably would have made a fool of myself. But in many cultures, children are not respected. Children are not cared for or valued. And so Jesus brings one of these children, one of the least of these, and he sits the child down in the middle of his disciples. And He doesn't speak of making the deaf hear or of the mute to speak or casting out demons. No, he simply says and teaches the disciples the value of the little child. The simplicity of... Of the little child, the sense of wonder in a little child, the teachable spirit of the little child. He says, Listen, if you'll take care of the least, if you'll take care of the children, who's the greatest of all time? You don't have to be first. Are you willing to take care of the least? Are you willing to bend your knee and help that child? Are you willing to give a cup of water to that thirsty man? Are you willing to get your hands dirty with the dirtiest of sinners? Are you willing and ready to serve the least? May I reiterate today, He used a a child in this instance, and so I want to apply it with this truth that we are a church who is fully committed to our children, to our kids' ministry, to our student ministry. Not that our kids and our students are the least of these, but in this light, I want us to understand that we're a church who loves bending a knee and caring for a child Hey, we're a church, and so we're going to talk about this as we, as we finish up our renovations and get closer to being done. We want to respect our property, but we also want to be a church where kids are all over our property. We want to make sure that we are valuing the children. Now, I believe the greater context here is the least of these in general. But I want us to directly apply that, that we are a church who's committed to bending our knee and serving the next generation. In fact, in the weeks to follow, within the next two to three Sundays, depending on how we do things, I'll be making an even more detailed statement about our stance on the abuse and mistreatment of children because the text in the book of Mark deals with it. And so the text is going to deal with that in the next week or two, three, and I'm going to deal with it directly. But for now, there's there's a, a primary application that Jesus is saying be willing to bend your knee and get dirty and serve the least of these. Secondary application is we ought to be committed to serving, loving, and caring for our children. That's what we need to know and learn from this text. So we are refusing to be first. We are not refusing the children. And then thirdly, oh, here we go. Get ready. We are not refusing the differing. Do not refuse... The differing. I want you to pay attention to this text. Okay, verse 38 in the text. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us. Casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Jesus said, Do not forbid him. For one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil can I'm sorry, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. John speaks up here. I'm not sure if there's significance there, but we don't necessarily see John speaking up in the rendition of the gospel from Mark's perspective much. I typically would have expected Peter at this point to speak up. But notice what John says. The picture that he paints this morning. He says there was someone doing mighty works In your name, Jesus, but he was not following us. He wasn't following the disciples. He was casting out and performing miracles in Jesus' name, but he wasn't doing everything just like the disciples thought he ought to do. He was healing people in the name of Jesus, but he wasn't crossing every T and dotting every eye, and following Peter, James, and John in everything that they would do. Man, there's some lessons here, guys. Jesus says, if you want to think about who's the greatest, listen, we must be able to love, care for, respect, learn from, and value those who don't follow us who are different, those who aren't exactly like you and exactly like me. The goat, the greatest of all time, how about this? He who is not against us is on our side. People don't have to be just like you, follow you, agree with you, dress like you, talk like you, parent their kids like you, work like you, serve like you in order to be a follower of Jesus. Listen, we don't create the mold at Keystone Church. The mold does not exist. There's only one mold that exists at this church and that is conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. That's it. This morning we proudly and gladly Respect and honor and value those who don't follow us, but follow Jesus. This morning, may I, may I just say for the record, that if you're preaching Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is being presented, if you're watching online and you're a pastor that's creeping on our services, how y'all doing? If you're creeping this morning on our services, and you preach Jesus, That if you are not against us, you are for us, we are on your side, and we love you, and we have your back. You don't have to follow us, you don't have to do music like we do it, you don't have to dress like we dress. Listen, this is on both sides, church, and I want us to understand this. This is on both sides. We want to be the same way with people that are more progressive than us. If they do things a little bit differently than us, if maybe they start their services with something a little bit more wild and crazy, and they have fog machines, and they have all these different things, and they do secular music to try to bring people in that are not believers. But if they preach Jesus and they have the pure gospel this morning, listen, they're not against us. We are on their side. We are on their team, and we are cheering for them. And this morning, if a church meets and has a hundred voice choir and they're all in robes and the pastor's a little bit more formal and the music is a piano and an organ this morning and the pastor gets up and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning, we are 100% for you and we're grateful. Listen, part of humility is accepting the fact that you're not the only one that's right. One of our core values at our church that we teach through our onboarding process is that we want to value identity over identical. We want to value identity. We want you to be who you are in Jesus more than being identical. May I say it this way? This is something for you to write down. We don't have to be twins in order to be brothers. I want you to think about that statement. We don't have to be twins in order to be brothers. In fact, may I say this as it relates to our church? There are people that we will be able to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ that other people will not be able to reach as effectively. And guess what? There's going to be some other churches that can reach some other people more effectively with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus than we can reach. And listen, we don't have to be twins in order to be brothers. In fact, If we were all twins this morning, that would creep me out, and it ought to creep all of you out. This morning as a church, we want to value our unity with our diversity of thought. We want to value being on the same page, okay, but not writing the same letter. We want to value harmony over unison. We don't have to be twins in order to be brothers. You see, this was part of the lesson that Jesus was teaching his disciples. No, you aren't the greatest. Guess what? People don't even have to follow you to follow me. And guess what? There's a lot of pastors and a lot of churches and a lot of movements that need to understand that. I don't have to follow you to follow Jesus. We're not trying to create some weird culture in our church where we're the only ones that are right and anybody else that does it differently is wrong. Man, we want to be known what we're for. You know what we're for? We're for Jesus, we're for the gospel. We're for, the, we're for the grace of God being taught and pushed to every single person that will listen. What does that mean? That means that we got to take a step back sometimes. Hey, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've, you. Many of you know my background is a more, from a more conservative uh, church background. And I've been guilty. I, I will, I'll confess this today. I've been guilty every now and then of poking fun at that. And that's just part of my past, and that's fine. I laugh at my past sometimes. But in all honesty, if where I came from preaches the gospel, more power to it, praise God. If people on the other side of me, man, I got guys, I've got pastor friends in the local area and then across the country that are way more progressive than I am, theologically, methodology, all these types of things, very much more progressive than me, but they preach Jesus. Christ only. Man, let me tell you something. I'm foolish not to be on their side. I'm foolish. I'm actually going against the first chapter of the book of Philippians, where Paul speaks directly to this. Even if Christ has preached with the wrong intention, Paul says, I rejoice and I will rejoice. Hey, it's just part of debunking this argument of who's the greatest, debunking this argument of who's better, me. You, my way or your way? The way you think it ought to be done or the way I think it ought to be done? Jesus gives us lessons. And his lessons are simply this. Refuse to be first. Don't refuse the children, the least of these. And don't refuse those that are different. Those who don't dot every I and cross every T exactly like you do. we're for them we're for them Bragtown Baptist Church is right down the street here Pastor Eric from Bragtown he's a new pastor he's been there just a few months there's a lot going on at that property they rent out a lot lot of different ministries there's a lot going on there I'm so for them in fact I believe we had some people that went and supported their VBS it was the first time they'd done VBS in years I'm for them Hey, Revolve Church is right down Club Boulevard right here. My good friend, Pastor Jeff, Revolve Church is right where uh, Mosaic Church used to be, right beside Mayor Shules' house. What's up, Mayor? I'm for them. I want to see God's kingdom grow that church. Those are just two that are really close to where we're at. Listen, who's the greatest? Hey, it don't matter. You know why? There's only one answer. Who's the greatest? Jesus. Jesus. And if you or I even attempt to have the conversation, we're foolish, we're prideful, and we're arrogant. God instructs us through the writing of the book of James to humble ourselves. And let me just say this, my thought on that and my interpretation and application of that is James is saying, humble yourself because you don't want God to have to be the one that humbles you. We got my results, bring them on man, let's finish it out man, I told y'all it was going to be some heavy stuff but we're going to have a little bit of fun, it's Labor Day weekend, I got a steak to cook tonight, come on. All right. all right, here we go. <laughs> man, some of y'all spiritual. We had two write-ins for Jesus. He only got two, though. That's what I'm just wondering anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, man. All right, there were a couple really, really close ones. Y'all ready? Y'all want to hear this? All right. This is like the, I've never closed a sermon like this before. Anyway, <laughs> it's all good. Yes, you alls first time. I don't typically do this, but it's all good. It's the way I'm doing it today. <clears throat> Next week will be like more somber and stuff like that. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, 44 to eight Michael Jordan over LeBron James. I mean, I get it. I get it. I do. I just, anyway. I thought it would be closer than that. All right. Here we go. 31 to 22. Tiger Woods over Jack Nicholas. That's, 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 we're not talking about moral character and stuff. So that's all good. Yeah, Talking about golf. Talking about golf. Here we go. Uh, oh, close one. 29 to 25, Dolly Parton over Aretha Franklin. That's that was close. Well then four. Oh, even closer. Twenty-eight, some of y'all. Twenty-eight to twenty-five, so even closer. Apple over Google. Google had a strong run there. Gotta give it. I gotta give it to him. Oh man, y'all broke man. What in the world? Twenty-seven to twenty-five Dean Smith over coach, man. Y'all crazy. <laughs> Listen. As I said, you have a better argument for Roy Williams than you do Dean Smith. Just look at the numbers. Two national titles in like 75 years. Good luck. Good job, Dean. Anyway, Coach, Coach K got that in what, two years? Yeah, that's right, 91, 92. He had already tied him. It's all good. Y'all, hey, you have a right to be wrong. It's okay. Oh, that's is a little surprising. My wife would disagree. Uh, Coach with the 27-21 victory over Kate Spade. Wow, okay. All right. My, my wallet says differently, but uh, yeah, this was, I, I shouldn't even put this on here. Serena dominated Venus, as she does on the court, 41 to 6. That was the most lopsided of the victories. All right. Oh, I disagree with y'all on this, So that's okay. Ali beats Tyson very handily, which would not be the case in real life. Uh, 36 to 14, Muhammad Ali over Mike Tyson. Man, Mike Tyson's psycho, man. Y'all don't want to mess with that guy. I'm telling you. Telling you, Oh, and the closest one of all. Man, this is good. I'm glad this one. 26 to 25, Garth Brooks squeaks out the victory over George Strait. (laughs) Listen, King George now. King George has the most number ones of all time. Isn't that right? Is that still the case? I think it is. King George. King George. we usually speak about King James in church today. We're talking about King George. All right, so. (laughs) I would have gone Garth there. I'm with you guys. All right. Uh, Ooh, 25 to 23. Tombstone takes the victory over Shawshank. Come on now. If Reed Churchill were here, he would disagree, wouldn't he, Debbie? Yeah, I'm I'm a, y'all don't, I'm sorry. I do not need to be, I do not need to be be endorsing a movie like Shawshank from the pulpit, but. (laughs) Do not. Do not go watch it unedited with your kids today. But, it, it, but you can learn a lot from Andy Dufresne, I will tell you. That's all I will say. Uh, listen, church, we had some fun today. I enjoyed debating the goat. I, would love, I could talk to you about all these different ones. I could argue with you either way. But the point today was just how pointless what we just did was. In the grand scheme of things. You know, every single, those weren't all people, but every person that was on this list, guess what? There will come a day, if they've not done so already, that you know what they'll do? You are who you said you were. Worthy is the lamb. But I had X number hits. Worthy is the lamb. But I made X amount of money. Worthy is the lamb. but I was on TV X amount of times. Worthy is the lamb. The greatest of these. May we not be a church. That that conversation ever happens. May we live to serve others. May we see the value in others. May we continue to love the children in the least of these. May we prefer others above ourselves. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.